This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! All right, all right. Party people in the place to be. Welcome back to Nerds from the Underground. I'm Johnny, and joining me is... Poet Air on Twitter. I'm also known as Michael, and it's great to be back here with Johnny talking about comics. Right, right. But this week, we're not going to be talking about two books in particular. We're going to get to know Michael a little better. I'm going to ask him a few pretty fun questions, kind of like the one that I did a couple months back, where we all really get to know him a little better so you can understand where he's coming from when he is giving his reviews. How do you feel about this, Michael? Are you excited? I'm definitely excited. I'm pumped to kind of break the normal mode and talk about some other stuff and just talk about kind of my uh, love of comics and why I love comics. Right on. Well, let's just jump right on in. And the first really big question that comes to mind is, when did you first start reading comics and why? Well, I started reading comics when I was around five. I think my family got it for me to read. Like, I pretty much was a great reader just because comics. And when I first got into comics, it was Silver Surfer. I started reading it. And it was the Ron Lim run with Jim Starlin. And I got it old school, like mailed to my house from Marvel. So somehow I got a copy from someone in my family. I think I actually just walked into a comic book shop. It was called Legends. It was in the mall I would go to as a kid. And I wandered in there one day. And for some reason, Silver Surfer called out to me. It was the first comic character that called out to me. And I read one and then got it actually mailed to my house. And I read pretty much all of that run and all the Infinity Gauntlet. When I couldn't even understand it, like five. I don't think anybody still understands the Infinity Gauntlet, man, to tell you the truth. that's <laughs> No, and to tell the truth, I loved it when I was like five and six, and I tried to reread it recently. And I got, I got maybe three issues in around where Pip's running around disguised as a human, and I was like, no more of this shit. <laughs> I kind of just stopped reading it. But uh, that got me into it, and then I started watching the X-Men cartoon series and got really into the x-men characters in the backtrack before i started reading silver surfer my first very first actually i kind of misspoke very first introduction of a comic character would be batman with the 89 movie and i was kind of batman obsessed for a while too but i was just obsessed right away it became kind of my life i collected all those cards our friend blake puts online like all the x-men cards and i was just i have kind of an ocd obsession with things and i was just obsessed with comics and i would read everything i could get my hands on like, from 5 to 10, it would be all the Marvel and DC books. Notably, X-Men and Avengers with Marvel. And then with DC, mostly Batman. And then, like, Green Lantern were kind of the ones I read as a child. And that was the fucking Kyle Rayner one when I was growing up. And I remember the fridging incident. I'll never remember. I was, like, 9 or 10, and the, the fridge moment just kind of half-traumatized me as a kid. You know what I'm talking about, right? No, I don't read Green Lantern, man. Never have. This is brand new terminology right, so, to me. <laughs> so Kyle Rayner, when he became Green Lantern, he was an artist and he had a girlfriend. God, I can't remember the villain's name right now. It's something stupid. But basically the third issue of his run, he has his artist girlfriend. He's a cool artist. He leaves his apartment and the villain goes back to his house and breaks his girlfriend's neck and kills her and shoves her in the fridge. So Kyle Rayner comes back and finds his girlfriend stuffed in the fridge. And that's what motivates him to get his shit together 
and actually become like the Green Lantern he's supposed to be because he's uh needs him to have revenge for his girlfriend. The term fridging comes creating a character just to kill them off to give our character motivation. <laughs> uh, that's so it's like an eight year old reading this yeah, eight year old reading this book, I'm just like she's dead and she's in the fridge and just kind of completely blown away by seeing that because it's a child's book and children's book. And then that's not really children content. I don't, I don't know if they would put that in a Green Lantern book today, but Grant Morrison's writing it currently. So who knows? Yeah. Grant would probably have dead chicks and fridges in his books. Like, but then again, he kind of really understands that when he works for DC and he's writing that superhero stuff, that he's he really becomes a different writer. So I don't know if he would or not. I don't think he would. I th- he's From what I understand, he's kept his Green Lantern very, I don't know, kind of trippy, but still really fun and accessible for everybody. It's trippy. I, I don't know if it's accessible for everyone. <laughs> it's fun and trippy. I like it. it. Definitely. I don't think there would be a, a kid, a lady in a fridge, but... I don't know if it's accessible to everyone. I read almost all of it to the second season, and it's definitely out there, Grant Morrison, too. Like, it's fun, it's zany, it's kind of like Flash Gordon, but it's also just, a lot of it doesn't make any sense in that Grant Morrison kind of way. Okay, next big question. What is the book that you read that just completely blew your mind, changed everything you thought you knew about comics, and really opened your eyes to what the medium could actually be? And around what age were you when you read it? I was about 14 when it first started, maybe 13. I might have been a little bit younger, but that would be Planetary by Warren Ellis. That was the first time I could see how the comic medium could be used and how like, I could see familiar aspects of stories I've read used in so many different ways. And it made me just completely fall back in love with comics. And then it got me to read all of his authority. And pretty much Warren Ellison at the time and Mark Miller were the ones that got me way back obsessed, back to my LCS and going every week. And Planetary is really the one where I just fell in love with everything. And it was such a long wait. And it made me almost feel special having to wait for how long those breaks were. Because I don't know if you remember when Planetary came out. Oh, yeah. And it came out monthly for like its first... 12 or 13 issues, and then it was yearly. And then the whole Astonishing X-Men run was in between, like, the last five issues. Like, there'd be two issues, and then you'd wait three years for the next issue. But that book just... I love that book. It might be my favorite comic of all time. might be, but I'm pretty sure it is. I just... I reread it once a year. I just love the characters. I love Elijah. I love Jakita. I love the drummer. I love, love the four and just the villains and how they're fucked up. Fantastic Four... I love all the different places we see Elijah go throughout the world and just how much the world grows. It just made me fall in love completely with the comic medium and opened my eyes in such a bright way of how much comics are more than funny pages. They're not just books for kids. They can be used in ways to express how the world can be and also just show how much you can do with characters, even using old concepts, which is kind of what Warren does with the book. He shows you all these Marvel and DC characters but with his fucked up Warren way of how he can use those designs, those foundations, and turn them into something completely new. Right. That's what I was going to say. That's a really good choice because it literally is a comic book about comic books, and it really does take you through all the different eras and styles. You get, like, the Flash Gordon stuff. You get the pulp noir science hero stuff. And then you even get the modern, you know, big superhero stuff. Even throws in a little Godzilla in there. But my favorite my favorite is when John Constantine faked his death to become Spider-Jerusalem. That's That was very special part of the book for me. <laughs> That is an amazing part, that whole funeral and that whole part of kind of just all of DC's kind of 
you know, dark characters, you want to call them, just explored in a different way. That That is one of my favorite issues. My, it's hard to pick a favorite issue. I love them all so much. I'm trying to think of a favorite one. This actually might, might be hard for me to think of what one's my particularly my favorite. Each one's so good to reread the introduction of the, my, okay, no, my favorite one is the one where they find the spaceship floating in space and inside of it, it's like a creature and it has its own biome. And the four angels that they found, the government, they send out to look at it. And then they send the Ben Grimm out there too. That would be my favorite issue. Yeah, it's a good one. The whole run is so good though, like you said. Yeah, they're all great. It's, I mean, in just my love for Elijah Wood as a protagonist is great. Elijah Snow. He's just, Elijah Snow, sorry. Why am I saying Elijah Wood? Elijah Snow. I just went hopping yeah. at me. I know his name's Elijah Snow. What's wrong with me? I was just seeing, my brain. just seeing Frodo all of a sudden. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Are those? One ring, yeah, Elijah, Elijah Snow is just such a great protagonist. He is. And just the more you learn about him, too, you know, he's just connected to kind of that universe that he built with authority, with Stormwatch, and with Planetary is great. And how he's connected to Jenny Sparks is awesome. And the great twist that's not actually a twist about him and the fourth man, so good. Anybody that's read it knows oh, yeah. what I'm talking about, it, but... I hope I didn't spoil and when that twist comes. That's right where the huge break came right after you found out the fourth man twist. And when the book went on hiatus for two years, came back, we got like four or five issues and then there was another hiatus. But yeah, that that's a great twist and you can see it coming from the very beginning, but the way it's revealed and the way it's revealed to the audience and through the characters in the book is great. Right. Just really and also, I got it. One one more thing I love as me being kind of a physics nerd. I love all of Warren's knowledge and kind of uh, spooky physics he throws into the book as well, which is great. Yeah, he, I like that too. That he actually tries to throw a little bit of real science into most of his works that deal with it. It's kind of a neat treat if you actually kind of keep up with certain things and see him mention it in his books every now and then because he's he keep it's up to date, brand new science too that he always throws in there which is always fun. Some of the theoretical physics he's talking about in that book, if my friends were in well versed in physics, I only heard them talking about it maybe four or five years ago. And Warren Ellis was talking about it in like, when would that book start? I think it was like midway through, so like 2000. Some people didn't commonly talk about some of those aspects and theories until 2012. So yeah, even ahead of common knowledge, he would be talking about it. So what are your favorite genres? Like, what do you like actually aim for when you're in the comic shop? My favorite genres would have to be like, I love sci-fi, mystery, and noir. So I mean, like a lot of, I like hard edge sci-fi. I love cyberpunk. I've talked to you about it before. Cyberpunk's a huge genre I love. I grew up reading a lot of cyberpunk books and I definitely just love anything that is not your, not common sci-fi. Like, I wouldn't say space sci-fi, but comics that are exploring interesting topics that you would consider science fiction. And then also noir, crime-based ones. I always love a good mystery. I love where you find out more about the characters in the world progressively through each issue. So cyberpunk, I have to ask you something because if you haven't read this yet, it's a really cool book. Have you read Arcadia by Alex Pactendell? It was published by Boom. I have not read Arcadia I will definitely look it up right now. Yeah, you'll dig it. Alex Pactendell, most people know he wrote Frendo for Vault. That's kind of his big book, but he's written a couple for Boom that are both very, very good. But Arcadia, since you're a cyberpunk guy and you like kind of sciencey books, 
I think you'll really, really dig Arcadia. Yeah, and I mean William William Gibson and Philip K. Dick are probably two of my favorite authors that write books that aren't comic writers. William Gibson writes comics. He does. Yeah, he did a, a book for IDW called Archangel. It's about this guy that kind of travels to a different world line to change his future where the Nazis won. And it, it's it's dope. It's really good. Yeah, Archangel by William Gibson. Arca- Arcadia is is free on Comixology. You can edit this out, and I'm going to be reading it. I'll read, it. I'll read some of it tonight. It's completely free on Comixology. Right on. We might do an episode about it in the near future because I really wanted to talk about that book in great detail. I absolutely love it. And Alex Pacnandel is such a cool guy, so I would really love to throw him a little bit of promo by doing an episode about him. Oh, yeah. I would love to do that, especially because I can read it on here for free. And also, there's a bunch of other good stuff on here for free, too. <laughs> Sorry. Now I'm uh, going to spiral out. Uh, I found a book by Tyler Jenkins I didn't know existed called Snowblind. Oh, you haven't read Snowblind? Snowblind is good, dude. No. If you like noir, you'll like it. It's definitely uh-huh. on a different different keel than most other noir, but I really enjoyed it when it was coming out. I, somebody on Twitter actually posted about it not too long ago, and I, I had kind of forgot about it. I got the floppies when they were coming out, and, and I was just like, oh, yeah, that book. That was actually a lot of fun. So, yeah. That's good. Thanks to you finding my Arcadia now I know about these two. Yeah, but that that's definitely the genres I like. I love Warren Ellis, who's definitely you know more of a sci-fi writer. I love Brubaker stuff. Pretty much anything Brubaker does, also I'll, I'll enjoy and read. Right, right. Okay, so since you're kind of like me and you're at least becoming a, a weeb, you like the anime, you like the manga. I was gonna kind of get into some of your favorite mangas that you've checked out and um what's that all about mangas i I, some of my favorite ones are i mean what got me into anime and manga when i was younger would be akira i was a huge akira fan and also naruto growing up i know you don't like one piece but i love the one piece manga and the boruto manga which are more child you know childlike mangas but some of the other ones I'm really reading it into now are Hell's Paradise, which is kind of just a, a story about uh, basically a ninja who's about to be executed, sent to an island to find an elixir. And it's kind of mixes the best of like feudal Japan with Lost, almost the TV show Lost. The island kind of just has a ton of surprises in it and weird creatures. I'm definitely into this book that's called Jujutsu Kaisen. And that's kind of those kind of ones I kind of lean towards in manga are either like darker ones that have like a magic base to it or, you know, just for fun. You're going to love Doro Hidoro then when you get to read that. Awesome. Because, yeah, magic based ones I love. I love ones that involve sci-fi and tech also, kind of in kind of the same as my comics. And then sometimes I just want to feel like, like a kid again. I want to read some, you know, ninja based ones like Boruto. I mean, I love the Boruto manga. I'm not a huge fan of the anime, but I do love the manga. I'm also really digging uh, the writer of Mob Psycho 100 and also One Punch Man. I've been digging all his work. Nice. Yeah, I hear good things about those. I've only ever seen the anime for One Punch Man. People tell me that I'd really like Mob Psycho because of my sense of humor. So I really need to check that out. You like Mob Psycho 100. You you would like it. It's I mean, whether you want to read the manga or the anime, it's a one-for-one ratio. So they're almost complete exact carbon copies of each other. Unlike uh, other animes and mangas, which are very different. 
But that's the ones I'm kind of, you know, really into and digging. For anime, I love the works of Jim Maeda, who's done a bunch of stuff. He's done a great superhero anime. All the stuff's usually one piece, and it usually starts out with a simple concept and then expands it and twists it and makes it all fucked up. And he actually has a great anime about superheroes called Charlotte, which is probably one of the best animes I've ever watched. It's 12 episodes, and it's a crazy journey where it starts out with episode one, by episode five, it's dark and completely fucked up, you know, where it's going. And then it twists around and it just takes the lead character through so many crazy places. And it's basically about a character whose only power is that he could take over someone's body, but he can only do it for 20 seconds. And then he basically gets introduced to all these other people with powers. And there's just, I wouldn't want to give away much more than that. And it just takes some crazy twists and turns. With Like how messed up is it? Would you say it's kind of like, the Brat Pack by Rick Veach, but the uh, anime version? Is it kind of like on that kind of a messed up way? or Not that messed up. It just starts out in a really like light place and just takes our character really dark places and changes who he is. And the more he accesses his powers throughout the series, it just changes his basically like psychology. So the more he uses his powers and the more his powers get advanced, he becomes crazier and crazier. And then also the world has so many twists and he's... Not to give too much away, he's also an unreliable narrator. And it's just, it's a completely great journey. And he also has a great anime called Angel Beats, which is a little bit lighter. It's about this school where people go and they're dead. And basically they have to basically graduate this school. So it's like a school that's like limbo. And once you graduate, you can basically go on to the next place, which is more more cutesy. There's definitely some dark stuff in it too, but it's definitely more of an emotional anime. I'll say dark, all right. Man, I always have this messed up dream where I'm like back in high school, but I lost my schedule, so I don't know which classes I have to go to, and uh, I'm like just confused and angry, and that's kind of what this anime sounds like. Is that? <laughs> it sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, it, it's great. It's great. I don't know if it, it's not exactly childlike, but it, it's got violent parts. It's got light stuff. It's really good, and it's really emotional. It has some good twists in it. Of course, I like Junji Ito as well. I mean, I think everyone loves Junji Ito. I, his manga is awesome. I'm not a huge fan of his adapted works. They're always kind of dry, where his manga is really kind of, you know, really is striking. The OVA for Gyo or Gyro, the one about the fish, was actually pretty good. But yeah, the, the couple shows that they tried to do for him have not been good representations of his work. I'd say you're probably better off watching the Uzumaki live-action movie than you are to watching the anime that's out for it. Definitely, and the Junji Ito Presents show is not great. Yeah. I haven't actually seen that. I just heard other people talk about it, and then I saw what the animation looked like, and I'm like, it doesn't even look like his work, man. What the... Honestly. No, the animation doesn't look like his work. And I probably could have got through it, but I mean, it was boring my partner to death. She was falling asleep. And <laughs> I was just like, we got to watch this Junji Ito. Why name it after him if you're not going to like do his style? That would be like, you know, saying like, this is the animated Simon Beisley cartoon. And but like the art doesn't look anything like Simon Beisley's, you know what I mean? Like, why would you do that? It'd be like, yeah, make the art look like Jim Lee when it says Simon Beisley. Exactly. <laughs> Straight up. So, yeah, we're all movie fans here on the show. We kind of reference movies a lot. What are some of your favorite films and some of your favorite directors? All right. So I have a lot of favorite films. I love David Lynch. I, we talk about this all the time. Definitely Blue Velvet, Mulholland Drive, and Lost Highway are three of my favorite movies. 
I love Danny Boyle's older work. I love train spotting. I think it's great. And I love the beach. And I love Sunshine. Sunshine's probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Recently, I've gotten to a lot of the writer of Sunshine's movies, Alex Garland. I think Annihilation and Ex Machina are both great. Yes. I do. I, I know you. Yeah, those are both fantastic. I, I mean, I, I got to say, I definitely love Martin Scorsese, too. I like a lot of his stuff. I try to watch everything he's done. He was influential to me a lot when I was younger. And then my favorite two new directors that have really like grabbed me and I think are probably going to be recognized in years as some of the best directors out there are the Safdie brothers. Have you watched their movies? Uh, what have they done? A lot of new up-and-comers, I don't so, really know their names until like they're really ingrained in my mind. They just did the one with Adam Sandler, which is you know Uncut Gems, and then they've done Good Time with Robert Pattinson, which is fucking amazing. That's one of my favorite movies I've seen in the last few years. Their first movie that they did that got out is called Heaven Knows What, which is kind of about these two heroin addicts that are in love. And the girls is getting pretty much drugged farther and farther into this heroin hole by her partner. And it's really dark. And then Good Time is about basically this guy who robs a bank with his mentally handicapped brother. His mentally handicapped brother gets arrested and he gets away. And then he basically goes to extreme lengths to get his brother out. And that's who Robert Pattinson plays. It's who made, that's a movie that made me realize Robert Pattinson's a real actor. Not only a real actor, but a great actor. And the character is like, a fucking shark, man. Like, he just goes worse and worse. And basically anyone that he gets in his way, he just uses and tears through. Completely, like, total sociopath. The only thing he cares about is getting his brother out. He basically does so many messed up things, including getting hitting on a 14-year-old girl so he can use her car after he breaks into her house. Like, just the most scumbag of scumbag things. And basically he just pushes people to horrible places till eventually it leads to, like, pretty much him being pretty much a murderer. Not giving too much away, but it's just... A crazy view of a fucked up individual. Sounds pretty gloomy, but yeah, I'll give it a go. I actually have been pretty impressed by him as well. I saw a film called The Rover, which had him and Guy Pearce in it. Fantastic film. And then he was in one of David Cronenberg's newer films. He was in Cosmopolis, which I thought he performed fantastically in. Especially the scene with the, the butt doctor where he's like dirty talking with the girl while he's getting a proctology exam. One of the greatest scenes in film history, in my opinion. It's hilarious. It's oh, it's great. And I also the two Robert Eggers movie. I love Robert Eggers either. Also, neither the movie The Lighthouse recently, which is fucking great. Also, and fucking weird. He's also the guy that did um, Vitch, right? Yeah, the Vitch. That's correct. Love them A24 movies, man. Like they're really picking up the slack that like Miramax dropped in the in the early 2000s. Good to have a company that's putting out films like that. All they the really are. weird indie and some some stuff from the UK that gets looked over. Like it's really good to have companies like A24. Definitely. They're doing some great work. And then also I love Cronenberg. His older movies, definitely Videodrome and even Existence. And I fucking love History of Violence even. He's probably my favorite director of English-speaking films. Because he's just had so many good ones. And like the ones you mentioned, but I'd also like to throw on Spider and Crash. He's, I mean, like I've loved almost everything he's did except for Rabbit. I didn't like Rabbit very much. The one with the porn star in it? Yeah. And speaking of foreign language films, I love Korean films, and Park Chan-wook is one of my favorite directors of all time. Oh, yeah. Especially his Revenge trilogy. That's my personal favorite. Oh, yeah. Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Old Boy and Lady Vengeance. Yeah, and then I really liked his contribution to the movie Three Extremes Cut. 
is probably the best out of the three, which is saying a hell of a thing because it has my favorite director ever, Takashi Miike, also directing on it. And yeah, Park Chan. I also love Takashi Miike. Yeah, he's my favorite. Like I absolutely adore him and his work. He dances to his own goddamn drum, and God bless him. Definitely. So, last but surely not least, let's get into the jams, man. Like, what kind of music do you rock out to? What is your preferred artists, and, you know, kind of, what do you get down with? I mean, I worked in music production forever, so I have kind of a wide taste. I love everything. I mean, I love my favorite bands, probably of all time, I would say are Great, the Grateful Dead and M83, and they're kind of different, but kind of, I guess kind of similar to, but very different. One's shoegaze, like electric band, and the other one's a jam band. But I also love hip-hop. Chesky is my favorite hip-hop artist. I don't know if you've heard of Chesky, which is C-E-S-C-H-I, but he's great. That's my favorite hip-hop artist. I get down to all of that. When I was younger, I was into punk rock and stuff like that. Like I was into like the hardcore scene, too. But definitely the stuff I really get down into now would... Definitely be M83. I always can jam out to and Chesky. I would say my hip hop artist. I would say that the stuff I like to listen to the most would be probably hip hop and stuff like that. Stuff like Chesky or I could throw M83 on. I also listen to this one female artist. Her name's Ayla Nareo. She's great. She does a lot of stuff with her husband, whose name is the Polish ambassador. And she's kind of lighter stuff. I just try to listen to that when I try to calm down. But I can get into all sorts of music. So is is that what he goes by? He's the Polish ambassador, or is he actually a Polish ambassador? He goes by the Polish ambassador. That's his name. He is like... Oh, okay. He's like trip-hop, which I love trip-hop too, and I love different types of EDM music. I work, That's the music production I worked in for years was EDM music. And I don't like all this stuff, but there's definitely some artists I can get into. Like, I love drum and bass music, kind of working out to and running to drum and bass is great. Yeah, yeah, especially old school trip hop, man, like, you know, the originators, like, I always catch myself always kind of grabbing one of my Massive Attack CDs every now and then, putting it on, and Massive Attack is at least great. listening to yeah. half of it, you know what I mean? I'm not one of them guys that can usually finish a album by anybody. I guess I got ADD a little bit, but yeah, Massive Attack can keep me trans for a while. Definitely, Massive Attack's fantastic. So yeah, that was us getting to know Michael a little better. I learned, I, I've actually known this guy for a while, and I think I actually learned a lot about him tonight. I hope you guys did too. I hope you guys like him, and you know, go ahead and feel free to ask us anything when you reach us on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at JohnnyAlpha81, and on YouTube at my channel, Graphic Vandalism. And you can find me on Twitter as PoetAir33, which which is Poet and then Air, H-E-I-R. Hit me up there anytime. I love talking about comics, and we can go ahead and talk and jam about anything. It was nice being, to be able to talk so you guys can get to know me more. And you can find the show on Twitter at NerdsFrom. We are a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. We love it here, and we would also like to ask you guys to maybe check out a couple other shows on here and maybe give them a like and a follow. But until next time, we don't hate if you trade weight. We out. Aloha.